What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolden. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Simply the best podcast in dentistry designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing, and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it. What's up, everybody? It's Dr. Craig Spodak, and we're very excited to be reposting a podcast that Peter and I just completed. It's the Student Entrepreneurs in Dentistry podcast. We had a great host, uh, Christian Hart, who's actually a UNC dental student, gave us some great questions. We had a great conversation, and Pete and I are real proud of this episode, so we're reposting it on our own podcast here. So please enjoy, and we look forward to hearing from all you soon. Take care, guys. You are tuned into the Student Entrepreneurs in Dentistry podcast, where we are here with two uh, extraordinary gentlemen, two extraordinary gentlemen, uh, excellent dentists, excellent fathers, excellent husbands, and um, two guys that I have definitely uh, been inspired by in the last 24 hours after studying a little bit about them. So Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodek, uh, both practicing dentists. Um, Dr. Spodak in the Delray Beach area, correct, and Dr. Bolden in the Atlanta area, and hosts of the Bulletproof Dental Podcast. How are you doing, guys? Good, good. Great, man. Thanks for having us. Good, good. Here on this mellow, beautiful uh, Friday morning, at least here in Chapel Hill, sunshine and bright, and uh, we're here to have a good time and learn learn from some guys who are, who are outliers. Well, Malcolm Gladwell talked about his outliers, kind of what I was thinking about when. <laughs> All right. You just stepped it up a notch there, Christian, throwing out some Malcolm Gladwell at eight in the morning. All right. Yeah, yeah. Outliers. So are you a fan of the? So you are, you do you ascribe to the 10,000 hours being the expert? Oh, it probably takes more than 10,000. I don't, I don't think every, anyone ever becomes an expert. You know, it's always a learning process, but it actually that, took Craig about 8,000. He says, um, <laughs> you know, but that's a different story. The, the principle, <laughs> the principle is, is valid, you know, um, but kind of when I think about a master and expert, you know, I think about somebody who um, who always admits to still learning, you know, and um, and always trying to improve. And that's kind of who I can recognize as someone who is. Yeah, yeah they, they probably got it going on. They probably are a master, but they just don't want to admit it. But um, so, yeah. Yeah, guys, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. So there's a life lesson right there, Christian. Now we haven't gone into anything, but here's something to your audience. And Craig and I will, will definitely concur with this and I'll just speak. If you ever get around people who tell you they've got it all figured out, you need to run like hell, run like hell away from them. Like I got this and down with this. I don't need, I don't need this run like hell because they're going to be no value to your life. Honestly, Craig agree. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just a continual journey. Like, you know, there's no such thing as, there's no such thing as coasting in life. It's either you're either up or down. I mean, you're either, you're either growing or you're contracting. And so, um, yeah, I think that's true. As you'll see, uh, there's a lot of guys that are in your senior year dental school class that have it all figured out. They literally, they know everything. Stay away. Stay away from those guys because <clears throat> when you get out of dental school, it's really like just a, a, a pass to go learn. It's like a, it's a, you're getting checked off that you're able to sign up for the courses. And the guys that are really kicking ass that I know of, you know, I talked to like you know, Pay Ray and all those guys, those guys are consuming CE at record levels. I mean, Pay Ray, this is widely known, he spent $55,000 on CE last year. 55000 That's like dental school again. 
So I think the journey is to keep learning and also recognize as well that there's, there's a book that Pete told me about that kind of changed my life and changed my perspective on things. It's called The Big Leap. I haven't read it all yet, but <clears throat> I got through about half of it. Uh, it changed my life, but I haven't it, finished it yet. It doesn't matter. I mean, dude, you could be changed. You could have your life changed in the first freaking chapter. Right. Eight in the morning, Pete. Cut me some slack. I can't help it. It's just my default. To fucking no, I know. I know. <laughs> so, uh, so this book actually had something really cool. And Pete, by the way, in full disclosure, you freaking sent that shit to me and you haven't even read it yet. It's just true story. Nice okay, that's a true story. So he's like, dude, you got to read this book. I'm like, I read half. I'm like, bro, it changed my life. I, I collect it. He, goes, he goes, well, I even haven't started it yet. I collect books. <laughs> I, I do that like I collect like Facebook but friends. How, how, do you, followers. how do you recommend a book you haven't even freaking <laughs> Because I read a couple pages and I was like, this is for Greg. <laughs> he said it under his pillow and then slept on it. It yeah. just kind of fused into his brain. Oh, so man. I want to just finish that point. So the book, um, the, the Big Leap talks about the zone of expert and the zone of genius. And what you'll find is that the first part of your career, you'll focus many people, there's two paths that people will go on. You know, there's a lot of big guys that run huge DSOs, they have 50 practices, and you'll hear a commonality in their story usually that they only practiced dentistry for a couple years. So they, they dabbled in dentistry, if you will. They, they were practicing for maybe two, three, four, five years, and then they boom, they became like entrepreneur dentists. And then you see other guys like Pete and I who actually spend a long time in dentistry and try to refine our craft. And what Pete and I notice is that those people that fall into the zone of expert, speaking of your 10,000 hours, or maybe it takes 10 years, when you become really expert at what you do, you get really myopic and you get down narrow and deep. And then it's hard to get back up because if you want to be an entrepreneur dentist, that's cool, but that's a macro focus. That's a 30,000 foot view of everything. If you're going to be in the trenches seeing patients, that's a super micro focus. I always say that dentists successes and failures are micro millimeters because that's what we're used to for a margin. So it's like life under loops. You see your, and by the way, no one steal that. That's going to be the title of my next book. God, life under <laughs> loop. I love that, dude. Yeah, I know you trademarked. do. Well, it's, it's trademarked. Don't worry. I just, yeah, got, but, I just got the domain. Don't worry. It's fine now. Well, this podcast not going live for a week, so we have some time. So life under loops is like everything that you have, every success and failure is in a micromillimeter. But business as a whole, if you're stuck on a micromillimeter, you're not going to freaking go anywhere. So there's that zone of the expert, which we're talking about, and then there's the zone of genius. And genius requires strategic, unplugged time. And Pete was really instrumental in this. When Pete came down, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Boom. For those, it, who are, for, for those of you who are just listening right now, Pete already bought at lifeunderloops.com. Got <laughs> No, dude, what, it was my still idea. Back to him, still uh, yeah, back to him. Yeah, it was mine. It was Pete's idea. Thank you arbitrage, so much. Arbitrage. Arbitrage right there. So what I'm trying to say, and I hope I hope this is landing on some, certain people, is that when and Pete was really instrumental for this for me because I was going so fast and Pete and I got off the phone call with a business partner of ours. Who's a, who's a lawyer because we're working on a big idea. And this guy is running so fast. He's literally working like 150 hours a week. He can't get up to see his own shadowy. He's just right down in the trenches. And we're asking him to get creative and work on a business concept. And if you're in that zone of expert and you're really dialed in, it's really hard to be strategic. So for a while I was running like that. Pete's like, Hey bro, take some time. And one of our business coaches that Pete and I shared said, take some time away from the practice and get some creative time. And that's a really important thing for your docs because there's going to be two trajectories. One's going to go off 
and start like gobbling up CE, Kois, Kokic, implants, blah, blah, blah. And they're going to be so stuck in the trenches. That's cool, but they're going to master their craft. And at a certain point, if they want to be an entrepreneur, they have to pivot. And other people may just want to be entrepreneurs. But for Pete and I, it was an interesting path. We had a very similar path. We became experts in dentistry first and really perfected our craft in all of our CE and all of our energy. When I say all, 99% was how to become a better dentist for a long, long time. And then it was either through Pete's had an epiphany or a breakdown and other people break their hands or something always happens to interrupt your pattern or else you just keep going in the same trajectory. Some people, I think Mark Costas got hurt or no, 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 uh, Scott Luna got hurt, right? Mm-hmm. So something happens that like just totally freaks you up and like takes you off your rails and like, oh wait, I can't practice dentistry and I shouldn't rely upon this or something and then you start thinking of another thing. So for me, I've been dual tracking my whole career. I've been full-time dentist and full-time entrepreneur and I think they both kind of suffer in some ways. It's hard to allocate all your energy to dentistry and all your energy um, and try to put all your energy into the business. But I don't know where that all went, but I hope that was valuable. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, for sure. And kind of a couple of thoughts popped in my mind as you all were, were kind of touching on those points. Um, and firstly, the, the people who I've started to you know, study or you know, watch and kind of read about and who are really, really successful I'm starting to find commonalities and it is that they don't know much anything else besides what their craft is. Um, and they talk about it openly and admit it confidently. And it's very fascinating to, to hear somebody, you know, extremely successful say, I don't know anything else about anything. If you try to talk to me about, you know, football or sewing or, or, you know, stocks, like I couldn't have a conversation about it because I'm just so deep in this thing. And like I said, you know, those people seem to have that trait and other commonalities that they're extremely successful in, in what they're doing. And well, they're obsessed. Exactly. They're obsessed. When you're, you know, there's also like the one ingredient that makes people successful, no matter if you want to pursue professional sports or a dental practice, or you want to like, you know, bake cookies, you have to be, it's passion because life is going to kick your ass. The process is going to kick your ass. And most people, when the third ass kicking comes, they quit. You know how many people, I mean, there's so many stories of that, like Michael Jordan kicked out of the high school basketball team or like Walt Disney told he has no artistic creativity. These people got their asses kicked. But if you're obsessed with it and it's not only your, it's not only your job, but your calling, you're going to be successful. So it's a little bit of social Darwinism. It's like the people who made it are obsessed. Well, that's, that's true. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the ingredient that it takes. But they also don't have their blind, you know, they, they have their blinders up too. So I think a lot of the people that are listening and a lot of your colleagues at your level don't know what to do. And there's a certain freneticism as they graduate, like, what am I supposed to do? Should I go to Coise? Should I go to Invisalign? Should I open up four practices? There's such a freneticism because there's so many experts that are telling you dentist has to be CEO, dentist has to be this. And there's so many people, there's predatory consultants on the sidelines and they have no fucking chops to talk to you about what you need to be doing. They're ready to charge you 30 K 40 K, but they never even been it. They're not even dentists. Some of them or are some of them just like, I'm sorry. Most. Yeah. Most are not even dentists. And if they are dentists, they never even had a, we we've actually talked to some people that run very successful consulting companies 
that are dentists that have told Pete and I like, man, I wish I could run a practice like yours. Wow. What is your pride? Oh my God. You, how do you deal with that? I'm like, dude, you got like, you're talking to 50 people or have 50 people that have signed up for your stuff. And you have an office with one hygienist and one assistant that does 300 grand a year. So there's a lot of people in our space that don't have the credibility to tell people what to do. And it's misguiding a lot of dentists and there's a lot of money in dentistry and there's a lot of, um, um, fear in dentistry and those two combinations don't always serve the dentist. But I do believe like with what you're doing, Christian, in this podcast, it's the meritocracy and the, and the democratization of knowledge because now all this shit is free. Everything's free now. We're just paying it forward. And you used to have to fly to San Diego and spend five grand on a long sales pitch just to get sold to sign up for a consulting company. Guess what? Just tune into your shit and get it all or tune into our stuff and get it all. So I'm really excited about the end of that era of that predatory practice. Um, and, and also what's the right thing to do? Because I know people are wondering what the right thing to do is the best thing to do is start with why I believe figure out what you want to do and what type of life you want to live. And that's what's right for you. I mean, look at Michael Appa. Michael Appa has, you know, three different practices and three, you know, all over the world, the guy's flying all over. Is that what you want? Maybe not, but that's what he wants. And there's guys like, you know, there's guys that have 30 offices that are Medicaid offices and they're, you know, DSO, uh, the dental directors of DSOs. I mean, is that what you, it just, it's gotta be personal and it's not one size fits all. And the dialogue in dentistry is that this is what you have to do. And Pete and I stand for, it's, it's really an expression of what your vision is and everything goes in dentistry. It's literally like opening a restaurant. You can sell hamburgers, you can sell sushi, you could have four tables and make it all like you know everybody and cook especially for people. You could have a freaking cafeteria, a golden corral. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And welcome, welcome to my show, everybody, by the way. <laughs> the Craig's Bodak Podcast. Hey. Watch me. Right. I just watch got you know what it is. Pontificate. Watch me pontificate. You got your coffee going? That's <laughs> what it is, guys. <laughs> Hey, it's Friday. You know, why not? Well, let's have a little fun in here. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I was watching um, an interview of Ray Dalio last night. <clears throat> Again, one of the guys and people in the world who are really, you know, outliers and try to learn as much from as I can. And uh, during the interview, he was um, the guy asked him, you know, what would you um, what would you tell your 20 year old self? You know, the best advice you could tell your 20 year old self. Um, you know, for success. And, and he was like, uh, the best thing I could tell my 20 year old self is that the best knowledge you could have is knowing what you don't know and, and identifying that and admitting that and mitigating your risk through knowing what you don't know. Because, um, you know, in, in his book, I've, you know, his book is excellent uh, principles. And he talked about how, um, you know, I don't know, it was maybe like mid 70s or 80s when he um, was first getting his, his hedge fund started and he was making these, this huge claim and huge pronouncement that, um, you know, the economy and, and like South America or something like that was going down and America had these huge, um, huge loans and, and, you know, was leveraged heavily over in those countries. And, and uh, Ray Dalio was like, yeah, like, you know, the economy is just going to go to shit because those countries are going to, you know, start defaulting and, and, you know, everybody prepare for the worst. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And then um, he looked like a complete fool and he made all his bets on that side and lost all his money. Um, 
you know, was a huge prominent hedge fund manager at that point. Everybody shunned him. He got, you know, kicked out of the industry and was, you know, had a scarlet letter. And he used that as one of his huge life lessons uh, to, to recognize that, you know, even though you are confident in your space or whatever, you still have to um, identify and recognize the things you don't know to that's, that's going to be the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the problem and so, is, and that's a great story. And I was lucky to see something like that um, a long time ago. So imagine the problem is with what you don't know is like, so when you get out of dental school or any, any job, like imagine this like round pie uh, chart, right? Around a round pie chart. So let's say the top sliver of 10% is stuff, you know, like, or 15%, like small slivers, stuff you know, 15% here. And then stuff you don't know occupies another 15%. Because what you know and what you don't know, that 30% is still stuff you know. So dentists come out saying like, oh, I know how to prep a tooth. And then the other 15%, I don't know how to place an implant. But if you know you don't know it, you still know it. The blind spot is the 70% of shit you don't know that you don't know, like right. occlusion. So dentists come out like, oh, I'll just do, you know, the collapse blind, I don't care. I'll just put those crowns on there. And then three years later, it breaks. And you're like, oh, shit, why did it even break? I don't even know that I don't know that. So oh. that's, I know, I hope that some people follow because it's, you almost need a pie chart for it. There's the what you know and what you don't know but it's still within the zone of knowing all the stuff you don't know, you don't know. And that's why you're forever a beginner. So as you go through life, Pete and I are realizing now like, Oh shit, we don't know shit. So for a while we knew more 10 years ago, I was more like three years ago. I was a lot more confident. So when did you all start realizing that then? When did you all like really come to the realization that, oh, I'm not as good as I thought I was. I'm, I need to. Well, it's, it's not that you're not as good as you think you are. Right. It's just that you realize. So in some ways, it's almost paradoxical because you become more confident when you know what you don't know. You become more confident because there's a subtle insecurity when, you, when you're a novice. It's an overconfidence. And that overconfidence is because you realize that you really don't know everything. And there's a a freedom in knowing that you don't know it all. And when you're able to have uh, the ability to say, I don't know what that is, or I'm not, I'm not sure about that. It actually. Christian, that's why a lot of people like I contend feel like they don't go next level because next level is scary. It involves a completely different skill set. And once you get to a place where you're coasting and you feel like you're in that zone of expert and you're like, I got this taking another leap, you look back and you say, God, that journey was hard. And I just got here. I don't want to do it again. So going next level is usually people talk about it. They hashtag it, but like, like, let's be real. It's, it requires a completely different skill set because what got you here won't get you there. And so that is, I think kind of, that's what Craig is saying. And I'm just kind of dumbing it down. Um, I'm not going to pull up pie, pie charts. Um, and, um, but I think that's, I think you, to your question, when did you guys realize that? And, and you, and whenever you decide that like, okay, I, I want to go here, you recognize that that's a, there's a completely different set of skills that you need. Um, and, and you can either look at that in two ways. You can be fearful and kind of retract 
or you can be excited because now you've got something else to master, something else to conquer, something else that's going to kick your ass. And you have to almost relish in the fact that you're going to get your ass kicked because it's going to happen. Mm. So, so for you all, when, when you found out that, okay, I don't know what I don't know and I need to know more, what were your steps in taking it to the next level? Like, what did you what, what did you go out of your way to do? So it wasn't, Craig, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, so just like Craig is saying, he says start with a why. And I think that's good, but to me, that's a little bit like ubiquitous. I don't really know. So I am a lot more, I need more, more actionable steps. So I always start with what I call just a desired outcome. What do I want this to look like, right? And then I just reverse engineer that. So I was saying, like, I want to have, I'm just going to say a hypothetical. I want 10, I want, I want 10 practices, right? By 2000, again, this is a total hypothetical. By 2025, I want 10 practices. So by 2024, I should have done this. And by 2023, I should have done this. And then, and then as you get into the kind of the years, the, the two-year plan as you're, as you're to the present, you really start breaking it down monthly. And like you, you need to, because look, a plan, uh, um, what am I trying to say? A, a plan without, without a, no, a, a, goal without a, plan. Plan. a goal without a plan is just a hope. And then, and then hoping is not going to get you anywhere. So your question, um, I think was like, you know, how do we, how do we do that? Or how do we decide that? And I think it's, you, you have to like, look at the granular steps that's going to get you to where you want to be and identifying and be self-aware. Like, okay, I lack that skill. I don't know how to talk to people very well. I'm going to go take a public speaking course or, you know what? I'm a pretty shitty marketer. I don't really understand this. I'm going to learn some things online or, you know what? I don't even know how to read a PL and I'm trying to run a dental organization. You know what? I'm going to spend my nights in time learning this. So it's either about, either about people skills or brain skills, you know? And so you just have to kind of be self-aware and like drop your ego with yourself and to say, you know, what? I really do suck at this, but you got all the time in the world to learn it in the car at night. Like, you know, that's yeah. your second job. And I think that was a part of Craig and I's success independent of even knowing each other was that we didn't treat dental school as the goal line. We treated it as the start line to a certain degree. And then, and then even practicing was really just to support the dreams. Meaning I would, you know, even when I was starting my practice, I recognized that that wasn't a goal line either. It was starting the practice and then I would go home, you know, I'd work a full 40 hour week as much as I could to, to be in the practice. But then I would go home for the next six hours and work on my practice. Right. And there's a big difference. You know, that's the, that's the e-myth that a lot of your you know, colleagues and you guys have probably heard about or your, your classmates rather the e-myth, you know, so usually it takes kind of working on your business and in your business in the beginning and you just have to do both. And I, I want to just jump on to what Pete says too, because I think it's really important when, when I'm, when I'm listening to what Pete's saying, it resonates with me. Um, but I also want to recognize that that's not the path that everybody needs to take. No. So the reason why I say the why, and Pete's like, <clears throat> Pete's why is that he, he wanted this. This is to express what he personally wants out of life, out of dentistry. And if your why is like, I want to take care of patients. I want to see five a day. I want to coach Little League. I want to blah, blah. I want to. I want to do volunteer work. I want to take three months off in the summers and go to Guatemala and serve people. That's freaking awesome. And, and there is nothing wrong with that. And there's also tremendous levels of happiness that will be associated with that level of pursuit of your dream. We have it all wrong. And I say this a lot, but I know this is a new audience. 
we have it all wrong that we think a, a success and achievement are linked to fulfillment and mm -hmm. they're not. They're absolutely fucking not. You can have everything you ever wanted and be really miserable. So don't get hijacked on what Pete and I are saying or what you know, Dr. So-and-so says about this is what you need. Taking someone else's dream and making it yours will not make you happy. So that's why I say the why is important. Spend a little time and say, what does my life look like in five years? How do I feel? And then reverse engineer that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, so, we're saying the same thing. We're saying so, the same thing. I know, but I just don't want people because there is so much. It's not, you're not saying it, Pete, but so many other people are saying it in our community that this is what you need to do. I mean, how many people on your podcast, Christian, have said, hey, guys, you need to do this. You need to be a CEO. You should have your third practice by the time you're blah, blah. That's bullshit, man. That's your dream. That's not my dream. Yep. Right. But people don't oftentimes want to do the work. You, you find someone who's successful. I mean, listen, we all follow, we can and all- And if it's not your dream, sorry to cut you off, Greg, but, but there's something important there. If it's not your dream, it, you will peter out. It will not be sustainable because you'll have the, you'll have the energy right out of school to kind of give you five years, but then five years when that passion, when it, when it was not an authentic passion, it wasn't an authentic dream of yours, it was someone else's narrative, you will, your, your energy will die out. And you gotta remember it because you're being, you're being pulled towards your goal. I'm sorry, you're being pushed towards your goal versus pushed, being pulled. pulled. Exactly. Yeah. So if it's your passion, you will just do it. Like when you're in your zone, when you love something, you're like, oh shit, it's nine o'clock. Oh my God. What was I? Oh my God. I was, I was supposed to be out of here at three. It's called you're flow. In, you're you're in just the flow. in the flow. Yeah. But if someone told you to do it, you're like, oh shit, I should do this. Mm. And by the way, there's a great book. I mean, we talk about this book all the time. Mark Manson, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I'm sure it's a bestseller right now, but he wrote a, an article recently called The Disease of More. I sent, it okay. to, I sent it to all my friends, the disease of more. So the disease of more is a study that shows that, and we're, we're sick with this disease in America. Um, we're in the wealthiest country in the world. Every one of us, I mean, America's got their problems. No, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying uh, we don't have problems, but we are very, we are all very lucky no matter what state uh, position we're at in life to live in America. Cause there's tons of opportunity opportunity you know, so. in most places around the world. If you're poor, it's a 99.9999% chance no matter what the fuck you do, you're going to be poor and hungry. So here, if you want to hustle, you can make more and do more. But the problem is, is that since there's so much potential here, you can almost feel like I'm slacking. So, you know, we all see these people on Instagram that are like, you know, they were cutting grass two years ago or mowing the lawn. And now they're like pimping out a Lambo and like, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, um, I, I you know, what did I do? And the, the disease of more is simply a, a study and an article that it's called the hedonic treadmill. And what it means is that people always will go to a seven in happiness and fulfillment. You hit the lotto, you'll be at 10 for a while, and then you go to a number seven. Someone dies, a loved one dies, you go to two for a while, and then you go back to seven. So no matter what you do, you're going to settle back to a seven out of 10 on happiness. So if you're sitting here thinking, I'll open up 34 practices by the time I'm 40 because that's going to get me happy, you're bullshitting yourself. But if you say, I'm going to open up four practices and I'm going to take the proceeds, I'm going to do this and I'm going to blah, 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 and this is the way it's going to make me feel and this is what my life is going to look like because of that, and it's just the vehicle, you'll probably be fulfilled. But we all drank the Kool-Aid that like, if I do this, then everything will be cool. And that's total bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we're just dropping so many nuggets here and, and uh, so many thoughts hopped in my mind when you all were speaking about a couple of those things and I wrote them down so I could remember them. 
But, um, you know, I think of myself a lot of ways as like a conglomeration. Um, and um, I'm not sure if you, you guys are uh, subscribers and, and <laughs> listen to the prophet that is uh, Nas, the, um, the, uh, the rap artist Nas, who uh, had his heyday in the, in the 90s. You know what I'm uh, laughing about? I just saw Chappelle talking about Nas. When Nas was like, yo, man, the projects was real. And Dave's like, word, those projects, man. He's like, I don't know any freaking projects. I grew up like, he's like, I grew up rich in the, no, he's like, I grew up the poor, just rich enough to be the poorest black kid in a rich white neighborhood in Maryland. Right, right. Um, but Nas, Nas has a line, in, uh, uh, a line in one of his songs that um, he says, no, no idea is original. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, and so, you know, in my mind, I'm always trying to learn and, you know, learn from different people, learn from different things. Um, I say that because, um, you know, I was listening to a podcast just the other day, uh, shout out to, um, uh, Eric Thomas, awesome motivational speaker who I've tried to learn a lot from, and they have a podcast and, um, they, they were talking about, uh, how comparison is the thief of joy and how, when you try to, like you were saying, like both of you all were saying, when you try to. Um, compare yourself to what other people have or compare your your goals or compare your status to what other people have it it never um, amounts to any kind of of joy because it is you'll never have what they have you never be what they'll be um, and so that was a huge huge nugget that you all just touched on and that like you said you know a lot of listeners could take a take a huge um, point from and just try to apply to their lives and um, you know, I try to apply it in my life, even though, like you said, it's, it's tough just because you see it all the time now. You see it in social media. You see it in, in you know, the news. It's it's everywhere, you know, and you're forced to try to, um, you know, block it out. And so, you know, those with the with the straight, straight focus and, and you know, that kind of uh, mentality uh, are able to reach that level of success because they can find out their why, you know, there's no other voices in their head to tell them what they need to do or what they need to have. It's, it's theirs. It's, it's their idea. Um, and, and so that, that was a huge point, but also the push pull kind of thing. Again, no ideas original. Um, I was listening to another podcast just the other day. Um, Grant Cardone, um, who's an awesome, uh, entrepreneur as well. And he was talking about how, yeah, yeah, that's right, Uncle G. Um, and he was talking about how, um, you know, you need to be pulled towards your goals, pulled towards your goals. And he was talking how a push for him is, is like, like fear pushes people, you know, fear pushes people to do things and, and, and to uh, make goals or whatever, because, you know, they're afraid of this or that. So they're, they're pushed towards, or they're pushed away from something, but a pull is like a magnetic, it's like a, like a, like I have to get there. I'm pulled towards mm-hmm. it because it's like it's a calling. In me. Yeah, it's a calling. Um, and that, that too was a huge, huge nugget um, that again, just, you know, try to put in my mental and try to think about um, every once in a while. I think, um, you know, there's a, a great commonality in, in many of the people who are most uh, successful and fulfilled and, you know, I, I live in a very affluent area here in South Florida. I have act, I, I meet a lot of very high net worth people. And um, there's this one story that rings in my, uh, that, that as you're talking, this guy, I have a buddy of mine, he's a financial planner. He's like the in-house family office for a very wealthy man that's worth a couple billion, you know, several billion actually. And just so I, I think this bears some notice, 
everybody throws around the word millionaire, billionaire, like those two words, like they're kind of associated. And just for everybody to understand, like in, in the scheme of that number, a million seconds ago was only 12 days. But do you know what a billion seconds ago was? How long? A thousand times that? 37 years. So a million seconds ago was 12 days. A billion seconds ago was 37 years. So this guy's worth several billion dollars. And every day he wakes up, he's 88 years old. And the, the financial planner has to go to him and tell him what's going on in the markets and stuff like that. And he wants to hear it every single day. And halfway through, he'll start falling asleep and the guy will stop talking. He's like, what are you doing? Keep talking. And the point of the story is, he's like, look, he, he keeps saying, we're going broke. We're going broke. Oh my God, we're going broke. This is bullshit. You got to sell this and sell that. He's like, you know, Mr. Jones, you know, you're 88 years old. You only spend $100 million a year, including all your houses and all your jets. If you started spending $300 million a year and lived for another 100 years, you wouldn't go broke. And this guy is absolutely miserable. He fights with everybody. He doesn't talk to half of his family. And he's a good example of money and happiness are not linked. Of course, you know, having no money is, is going to make you unhappy because you can't eat. But at a certain level of money, the return of money is a, is a law of diminishing returns as you make more money. But there is a commonality of people that are really, really happy and successful and fulfilled rather. And that commonality is that they have figured out it's not the, the have, do, be. Have you heard of that, Christian? Have, do, be. Sure. I don't think so. Or no, I'm sorry, be, do, ha uh, yeah, have, do, be. So if I have this, then I can do that and then I'll be happy. If I had you know, a house, then I could, you know, or if I had this big house and I could do this, or if I had a jet, I could do this and then I'll be happy. But like, you know, guys like Richard Branson and in some ways, you know, Tony Robbins as well. These guys have figured out that they're being, they're just happy. They're happy already. They're already fulfilled. They're fulfilled and hungry. So if you can happily achieve versus achieve to be happy, and that's a Tonyism, then you're going to not only be happier, but more shit's going to show up in your life. So if you can get yourself as a, as a daily practice in a state of being happy, fulfilled, grateful, loving, and all that, life will like kind of bring you more of that. And I think mm -hmm. that's the challenge is going through life and, and going through the ups and downs and, and still finding ways to be grateful. And that, I think that's the secret. It's almost like doing what you want, even though you don't have to do it, or like getting to work if you don't have to work. Like my dad's 77, knock on wood. He doesn't have to work, but he's working anyway. I mean, that's nirvana for me. If someone gave me a big check or I hit the lotto, I'd probably want to, I'd probably still do exactly what I'm doing, but I'd just be happier because I don't have to do it. So I think if you can get in that state of being where you're happy and fulfilled, then um, everything gets a lot easier. Richard Branson's the master of that. I, I was um, lucky enough to be with him for a week and just watching how happy this dude is. So uh, light, that like? just cool. He's just, he's just at ease. He treats everybody. Um, really kind. He's fully present with everybody. He's not talking to you and, you know, looking at the phone, looking around, he engages with every person. And I, I said like, this can't be real. So I was kiteboarding with the guys that were kiteboarding with him and they all work on the Island. And I was just saying like, Hey guys, um, what's he like when, you know, behind closed doors, what's he like when no one's around? He's like, he's exactly the same. He's just total at peace, loving, happy. And, and because of that, People are drawn to him, want to do more business with him, and shit goes his way. You know, he's not this angry rich guy that, like, is bossing. He's not, you know, the Stephen Jobs. I mean, Stephen Jobs is a, left an amazing legacy of accomplishment, but I don't know. Everybody says he was a dick. I mean, that's a terrible legacy, if you ask me. I'd rather be worth less and try to help more people. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely right. And yeah, that's, that's really tough. Like you said, for, for someone who has um, had so much impact on the world, it's kind of sad that you consistently see that being mentioned um, about his kind of, like you said, his legacy. Um, and, and, you know, the most um, obsessed people can sometimes be the most flawed, you know, and I guess in that case for Steve Jobs, it was. Um, but, you know, for you all and in, in your careers, you know, you've reached this point and, you know, for, for all of our listeners, just, just go to, uh, you know, these guys' websites and look at what they've created. It's, um, it's phenomenal. Like I said, and I'm inspired. <laughs> and um, I, I hope that, you know, I can achieve half the level of that and at some point in my career. And so, you know, for you all and what you've created, how do you feel like, like what, what's your mentality right now? Like, I mean, cause I'm sure you see, like you said, I mean, like what we were just talking about comparisons of thief of joy, but you know, um, you see kind of what, other dental offices look like or what other practices are like or what other people's lifestyles like in dentistry. Um, how do you all kind of see yourself now and where do you feel like you're at in this, in this stage in your career and your life and what are your kind of sights on? Pete, you want to take that one? Mm. <clears throat> so Christian, Distill it down for me, Jack, because you had a lot, a lot in that. Um, what, what do you actually want him to answer? You want to hear what's next, kind of for us, and and how we're gonna do it, or what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is, you all, from what I've seen, have mm-hmm. outliers of practices, mm-hmm. or you know, lifestyles, or you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So now that you are the, you know, at that level, mm-hmm. what is your mentality right now? Got it towards what you want to do or you know, accomplish? Man, I tell you, like I'm, when we first started the podcast, it's like thinking that you got it all figured out. It's a dangerous proposition. And I always said, once I get to that place, I'm going to quit dentistry. I'm going to quit the business of dentistry. So Craig and I are probably smirking to each other because we are on a different journey right now that has a whole new set of challenges. So yeah, we may have outlier practices, but like, the foot is on the gas for other things and it's not to make more money. It's to make, you know, it's, it, you know, it's to make impact and it's to make, you know, a legacy and just, just doing stuff. So I'm being a little cryptic with kind of what we have going on, but my, my point is, it is, is it, is a continuum? It's a continuum. So it, yes, we got here, but that wasn't the finish line. And now there's a new finish line and there'll be another finish line. And I think that to me isn't exhausting when I think about it. It's actually inspiring because the people that you see that have the most fulfilled lives can't wait to get up in the morning. They can't wait for their feet to hit the ground. Like they literally have to hold themselves in the bed. And and those people have longer lives and more fulfilled lives. And so I think when you 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 keep challenging yourself and keep looking for things and don't be afraid of the failure and just say, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna burn the boats. I got one, I got one ticket, one ticket in this life. Like living with regret is going to be the worst thing ever. So, you know, um, I know I'm, I know I'm kind of ranting here, but there's just the foot is always on the gas, you know, and there'd be times when you can kind of pull off and kind of look over the hill and come to the stop sign and take a deep breath. But like, I think you just need to be committed to the trip, committed to the journey and committed to kind of bettering yourself, whether that's your practice, the people around you or your journey and what you want to accomplish. Cause like I said, I, every day I think about, I have one ticket. I just turned 43 a couple of days ago and it, and whenever you have a birthday, you're like, shit, 
you know, it's, it's a ticker. It's ticking down. Right. And I've got, I've got, you know, a couple of lifetimes of shit I want to do. So, you know, and the, and the other thing too, Pete, and, and for you, Christian too, is like, you're looking at us. And when you say it, I, I, I was smirking as well. You're like, Hey, you got this whole other, you know, level and you've got, I mean, I, I, I'm thankful and I appreciate the words when you say that you aspire to have and, and do the things we've done. That's, that's, that's cool. And I, I, I think that's, um, yeah, it feels good, and, I, and I'm and I'm I'm proud. But in the same way of we we still got challenges, we still got stuff going on, lots of stuff. And the good thing is we've got a good friendship, and I think that is something that other people you need. Other people, you're you're the product of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. So Pete, you know, he can like I'll call him sometimes and be like, hey, something's on, off in your voice. Are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good, but you know. My P and L, blah blah blah. He's like, dude, I got this. Frig- yeah, I had this thing. I had to move some money or whatever. So if you have a good support network, but also people that are pushing you, because progress, long term progress equals happiness. Mm-hmm. And if you're not growing in some way, like if 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 my practice like blew up and I had no ability to work there, I would be immediately on something else. Like I'd be investigate or if, if I had tons of money and I couldn't work in dentistry and I couldn't do anything in dentistry, I'd probably be like obsessed about like building a boat or I'd do something that I would just be, you know, I'm going to do something all the time. And progress doesn't always mean successes, right? Like failures are progress in my yeah. mind, you know? Right. Um, so it's just accelerated learning. That's all a failure is. You just, you know, and I've had, <laughs> oh God, we both have. you know, right. But it's, but it's, I think it's accelerated our trajectory into finding out like, oh shit, that didn't work. Like, you know, you get up, you lick your wounds and you roll off in a different direction. And I think a lot of people that, you know, that I see, um, will get, will get punched in the gut and they'll stay down and yeah. they'll stay down. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you heard that? Like they said, Oh, I had an associate once. It didn't work out. Associates are bullshit. Yeah, forget it. For associates don't got, work. Right. Yeah. Why, yeah. Marriages don't. I mean, look, people are jumping in to get married and more than half get divorced and no one's saying like, Oh, I'm never get. I'm never going to do marriage. Most people want to get married, even though statistically unlikely it's a real a statistic probability. It's not a good idea to do it. Yeah. Oh, partners. I had a partner once. Yeah. Partners are never, you never take a partner. Finally, the Bulletproof Practice Book is out on Amazon. Craig and I have distilled down our experiences in dentistry over the past 20 years in our true-to-form, unfiltered fashion that y'all have come to expect from our podcast. We talk about our victories and our bruises, and it's 132 pages of vision, leadership, marketing, and even just life as a dentist, and it's meant to entertain you. So we hope you'll support us and grab a copy on Amazon today. Thanks, friends. Yeah. So first I want you all to touch on, on that, what you just talked about, about the friendship group mm-hmm. and, and the synergy, because, you know, Dr. Spodak, you're in Delray beach, uh, Dr. Bolden, you're in Atlanta. Um, you know, as far as anybody else knows, you all don't have any kind of mode or, or, you know, incentive to, um, you know, motivate each other or be a part of each other's lives. So talk about that synergy that you all have created and, um, you know, how you all have been able to exponentially uh, use each other as that kind of motivating factor and, and motivation. Let me, can I, <clears throat> Craig, I want to take this because I, I see this as a pervasive problem in my career. I saw this as a pervasive problem 
there's going to be people that come into your life that they play the zero sum game and you need to be super aware, situationally aware of who those people are in your life and cut them out. Meaning that if you win, they feel like they lose because there's not enough. They live in a, they live in this mindset of scarcity, not an abundance. And there were so many people along the way that weren't authentically happy for my successes. Mm. Right. Or weren't, or weren't authentically concerned about my failures. They were almost, you know, secretly happy. And I'm not saying this was a, 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 like a huge problem in my life, but you'll see these people. And I think dentistry, unfortunately, has a, a bigger contingency of that um, than, than most careers because we, well, in, our, in Craig in my lifetime, there was a lot more solo practitioners and we lived in these islands by ourselves. And we would see other practices, well, how come you're doing better? And if you must be doing something shady or wrong because I'm not doing better. And instead, you know, Craig and I, you know, really are the, the genesis of our friendship was based on the fact that like I just reached out and was like, hey, I don't know you. I follow you on Instagram. I think you're doing great things for, for the profession. I love how you're marketing. Like rock on, dude, because the air is really thin up here. And I don't think that enough dentists give kudos to others for doing a kick-ass job. And I think that same mentality needs to apply in the people that you, like Craig said, the five people that you surround yourself, you will become the byproduct of that. So pick wisely, go deep, not wide, right? Like pick those people who, who are genuinely wanting you to beat ass and kick ass on a daily, daily, daily. And Craig does that for me. And that's why our friendship has, has, has come to fruition because we, you know, a rising tide has risen both of our boats. And, and where I was weak, you know, he's kind of helped me in my practice and vice versa. So be, be obsessed with finding that person or those people in your life. And I think that that's going to be, make a massive impact. Mm. Dr. Spodek. Yeah, I, I, um, I think that was, that, that was pretty good, right, pal? You're just, you're just, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think I, I'm just trying to, I think that you've got, it is it is a lonely space. Um, I think that there's not too many dentists out there. I mean, listen, it's great to have, and, and you don't have to have friends in dentistry per se. It's nice because you can get really nuanced and you can ask these questions that may not resonate. But any anybody who's kicking ass and you know failing forward and growing and um, and doing well is gonna is gonna is gonna uh, rise the tide and help you float your own ship. So. The, uh, especially for a guy like you, Christian, I'm imagining, look, you're a fourth year dental student. So you still, you're in this weird space of like, there's a lot of guys you grew up with, probably maybe didn't complete college and they're your, they're your friends that nothing's changed. Like, where'd you grow up? Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. So you go back to Charlotte and there's like, Hey, remember the high school football game? Like, no, I don't really think about that anymore. That was not the highlight <laughs> of my life. Right. It's like, I, I think there's, I think the one of the biggest curses, and I, I don't know if this is just anecdotal or it's proven, but it's like people peak at different points. Mm -hmm. You can peak in high school mm -hmm. or you can continually peak throughout life. So if you have, if you're like the star of the, the high school and everything's great, you hang on to that. And I think it's important to grow. And, and I think, I, I think it's always good. You don't want to drop your friends because there's always a special place for them, but sometimes you have to create a little distance. To what Pete was saying, there are people out there that, not that they, not that they want anything bad for you because they don't believe that, but your success makes them feel bad. Mm -hmm. 
makes them say, oh, shit, Christian's kicking ass. Christian went to dental school. Why, why am I not kicking? Why am I not doing well? You know, he's an asshole. People don't figure out – no one wants to look in the mirror. No one wants to take accountability. That's why I love it when dentists want to pick our brains about our marketing. We're like, okay, what's your, let's look at your P&L. Oh, well, I don't really have one. Well, what do you spend on supplies? Well, I don't know. And then, the, then they don't call back. So I'm like, okay, get your P&L, get your numbers, and I'll give you an hour of my time. Just call me and you have it. They don't call again because no one wants mm-hmm. to do the work. Everybody wants to hit the easy button. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, do, look at the, look, follow the rock on Instagram. Shit, that guy's doing more. I mean, he's working, man. He's, wor- he's doing work more than all of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tony Robbins, I have the pleasure of having a personal relationship with him. I can't do what that guy does in an in a day if he gave me the whole week. So success leaves clues and you get rewarded in public for what you're doing in private. So it's all about what you're willing to do, what work you're willing to do. And I look at what Pete does and Pete does work. Damn, he does work. The reason why his profit is better than mine is because he gets down in it and looks at it. He'll say to me like, hey, what's your margin of this? He's like, you don't fucking know. I don't know, I don't know right now. I don't know what that, you know, but I'm, I'm being penalized for it. I mean, look behind you. Pete's got that whiteboard out. He's got a different, his brain works in a very different way. And if you can find people to synergize with, like Pete and I have, that he has a whole different complementary skill set to what I have. I have skills that he doesn't, but he, he has skills that I don't, and that's powerful. So, and I always believe that you can do more and have more fun if you link up with people who, are, who have the same values and beliefs. One of the big values for Pete and, Pete and I on everything we do is the dentist has to win. Every time we go into a new venture, can the dentist win? So if someone said to Pete and I, hey, I got a great idea, you guys will both make $30 million. Um, does the dentist that comes along with us win? No, not really. No, we're not interested. We don't want to do it. Like when we wrote our book, the first thing with the ghostwriter, the, the editor said, and the, the, the ghostwriter that helped us, so what are you selling? We're like, we're not selling anything. Well, why are you writing a book? It's going to cost you a lot of money. Like we want the dentist to win. We want to, we want to get, pay it forward. And, um, and there is a way to make everything in this world a win, win, win. And if you win and someone else loses, you actually didn't really win. So I say, you know, find friends that have complementary skill sets and find partners that have the same values. If your values are aligned, you can weather anything. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't want to take up too much more of you all's time, but I do want to touch on what you all talked about with failure. And then we'll ask our last question that we have. Um, that we asked all of our guests, but uh, you all did just mention uh, how how you know failure has played a huge part in you all's lives, and how a lot of people after the third time they get knocked down, they never get back up and never try again. So, what experiences, you know, however much you all want to talk about in detail or not, um, have played a huge part of you all's lives and, and the failures that you've had, but have learned uh, more about those than anything else? What experiences have you all had of those? got so many yeah i mean there's like really not to be there really is just so many and i think instead of giving you kind of examples of like the failures i think it's important what i'd like to say is the time you have to look at your environment right and and the time to take risks is um is typically when you're out of school unfortunately. And I don't mean be risky. I mean, but the time to think big because really like the fallback at that point, you're just taking care of yourself. But, you know, Craig and I have families and, and hundreds of employees and, you know, um, and 
And we just can't be belligerent and like do moonshot things all the time because we have a lot of people that are depending on us. So I would say my advice would be to, to don't even right out of school, like don't be afraid of mistakes. Again, what I'm not saying is be belligerent and just be like, Oh, I'm just going to try this. Like be intentional, be strategic, but don't be fearful and go for it. If that's what you want, if that's what you know is going to fulfill you, like Craig is saying, like know your why reverse engineer it. But if it's big, like, don't be scared. Like just go for it. Because like, what's the repercussion from that? Like if it's just you, you know, a lot of, cause a lot of your classmates probably aren't married and or single or whatever. Like they don't have a lot of responsibilities other than yourself at that point. Um, what are the repercussions? Like, you know, I always told myself, like, I'm going to start a practice. And everyone's like, don't do that. You're going to get that financial suicide starting your own practice, right? You're so young and you're going to do a startup. You're going to do a fee for service startup. You are an idiot. And like, I just took all this energy. I took it and I took it and that was great. I actually, I actually loved it. Cause I was like, you know, now it just gave me fuel. And I kept telling the, I smile at these people like this in my head and be like, okay, you fueled me for a year and you fueled me for a year. And you feel me because I don't want to go back to you and be like, yeah, you were right. You were right. So I was just obsessed, obsessed. And maybe that was the wrong type of obsession because I wanted to prove everyone wrong, but it was obsession. Yeah. Um, so, I don't want to interrupt you, but, but one of my best friends just, you know, we have a, a group that's awesome. Um, you know, a, a number of guys that I'm really close with and um, who I'm very blessed to have in my life. And he just sent us a text this morning. He, he was like, um, you know, the most, uh, when, when your idea when, when 90% of the people uh, talk about your idea and tell you that it's impossible, that's when you know you have the right idea because everybody else is scared of it except you. But yeah, go ahead. That was, that was a great point that you just mentioned. And, and then sometimes you have a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then 90% some... of people, I mean, I, I, listen, Pete and I are working on a big concept. I took it to all these people. I said, poke holes in this because there's some smart people who love me and want to see me do well could tear it apart. I would have, I would have listened. And so, in the immortal words of Mike Tyson, everyone's got, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I think you said it. Everyone's got a plan. <laughs> That's more Michael Jackson. A little bit, little bit higher pitch voice. I think it's everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> so, like, but my point, Christian, and is, um, you know, I guess in, in closing of my comment would just be, you know, Again, going back to what I said, don't, don't be fearful of it and don't, you know, you're going to have them. It's inevitable that you're going to have setbacks. It's how you recover from them and how you learn from them. It's going to be the trajectory, the change in the trajectory going forward. Do you stay static or does that energize you to, to pivot? Failures. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, uh, failures and out, outside failures are, are, are going to happen, you know, circumstances change thing. You don't, you don't know. You, you, it's the, the knockout punch is the one you don't see coming. So it's that zone of what you don't know, you don't know. But I think the bigger failures and ones that hit you harder are the personal failures, you know, where um, you try to do the right thing for people and they hurt you along the way. And I think that if you want to rise up and do something big, the target on your back will grow. And people will try to tear you down, even though you're not trying to hurt anybody. People want to hurt you back. Um, so I think that a friend of mine told me that um, people are symbols. You're a symbol. So even you, Christian, doing a podcast, being you know a leader in your class, there's other people like freaking Christian. 
I think she's better than me. You know, doing, I don't know. People are like that though. Mm-hmm. There's something that your drive and your passion and your leadership and you doing it, even though you're doing it from a pure intent to help people, it will bother people. And my advice is if you live by people's praise, you'll die by their criticism. So at a certain point, it's not you, it's what you stand for that they get upset about. And it brings out stuff out of them. And this has been very hard for me personally because um, I'm, I'm a big people pleaser. Pete has no problem saying, fuck you. You know, you think I can't do it? You'll see me do it. I'll show you. And it's cool to see Pete's um, bravado of character of I'm going to do this and this is, this is what's best and I'm going to take, take it on. And learn from that because if you want people to like you, sometimes they're just not going to like you just, you know, based on anything. I mean, based on your height, your color, your anything, people have their own, they have, everybody's a symbol. And that's been a hard thing for me to learn because when you're ostracized for doing something great or trying to help people and you know, in your heart, you help people and they, they, they pushed you down or tell you you were bad or did something wrong. And you know, it's not true. You can identify with that victimization. You can be a victim and that's a dark place. So, so failure, don't identify with your failure. Failure is out here, has nothing to do with you. So whatever happens and every great successful person has been knocked down so many times, they just don't really talk about it that much. There's other people who are not successful who had like, they stubbed their fucking toe. They never really had a failure. They fell and they, they stubbed their toe and they twisted their ankle. And all you hear about is, oh, yeah, I got married once and oh, my God, or I had a business partner. He stole all my stuff and I'm not doing that anymore. That's why I'm working at Applebee's now because partnerships don't work. They became the failure. They identified and created their story, their emotional home around the failure. Successful people like, yeah, I got, you know, that guy screwed me up and I got embezzled from and that happened. But then it led me to this and led me to that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, nothing happens by mistake, you know, and you'll see that as you as you get a little bit more age on you and wisdom. Um, and I truly believe that like we've had Craig and I have both had massive setbacks. But then when you look at them in the context of a few years of your runway, you look back and you're like, it happened for a reason. And maybe that's our faith. And maybe that's a different everyone has their own different belief system. But everything, you know, it's just weird how life like life and you have to be in that mindset. Life is happening for you, even when bad shit happens. Yeah, absolutely. Not to you. It's happening for you, right? So um, that's Tony, by the way. That is Tony, and um, and and Christian. Not just I didn't. I know you wanted some specific examples. We give tons. So if your listeners are wanting to hear more of us pontificate and, and curse and and do stuff like that, they can go to our podcast. And that we actually have like we always talk about like just like this granular piece of failure or granular piece of success. So, um, but I think it's important to hear a thirty thousand foot view on our on our on our uh, theories on this, if you will. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. And um, yeah, definitely going to recommend everyone go over to the uh, Bulletproof Dental Practice, uh, Bulletproof Dental Podcast, um, and, and check you guys out. And just want to, uh, before our last question that we asked all of our guests, want to thank you all for coming on this beautiful Friday morning and spending some time and uh, you all could have been doing, I'm sure, anything else with your families, with your business, whatever, but um, you decided to join join us. Um, like I mentioned, Michael couldn't join us this morning. He was a little bit busy, but join us um, for the podcast. So thank you all. And I uh, really appreciate you all's wisdom and, and the nuggets that you've been dropping. Um, so for our last question that we asked all of our guests, if 
you all could provide a piece of advice, a piece of advice to a dental student at three different stages of their dental career, uh, what would it be? And those stages are the first day of dental school, when they first step in, second stage, right when they're getting into clinic, and third stage, the day they graduate. What piece of advice would you offer those three different stages? Shit. Can I go first? Yeah. But okay. Hey, but, hey, but don't take too long. I won't. I'll do it in three. I'll do it in sixty seconds. First day of dental school. Um, figure out your total tuition and, and, and expenses that you're going to spend, whatever it's going to be, and the amount of class hours you're going to have, and divide how much each hour of class is going to cost you. Because you'll sit up straight in your seat because you bought Hamilton tickets or whatever and realize, yeah. shit, this show is $350 for the next hour. I'm not going to take a bathroom break. Okay, so just figure it out that your hour in class, every hour you're spending $300. I've never heard and, that, Craig. I love well, it's because it's mine. But it's going to be yours. Peter, Peter's buying right now. Yeah, I'm, writing, I'm writing a book called uh, Under the Loops right now. And now I'm going to put that in. <laughs> yeah. So, so figure out how much each hour is because you need to know the value of each hour you're going to spend. I would do that calculation right away. Uh, so that's the first thing. And then um, what was the second stage? Because I had the third stage. Right in the clinical. clinical first clinical day. Okay. Clinical, I would say um, recognize that you have a special privilege that you are allowed to, through your touch and through your demeanor, help another human being in a, in a capacity that only a, a fraction of a percent have. The way you touch people, the way you talk to them, and recognize that they're scared and that this is a very, very lofty um, permission that you've been granted, a blessing to, to be able to help a person. And never forget that. This is the first day that you're allowed to help another human being. You have implied permission to, 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 to care for them, to put your hands on them in a caring way, in a loving way, in a, in a helpful way. And, and recognize that that's, that's the rest of your life, that you always have to do what's right for them. Every patient, no matter what they say or do to you, are, are just, it's a cry for help. If they're being nasty to you, it's just a cry for help and try your best. But when they're total dicks, get rid of them. <laughs> but, but, but recognize that it's a, it's a, it's a huge... Uh, blessing that you're able to help people. And then the day of graduating dental school, I would say to really um, celebrate because I think there's a instant like what's next. And uh, when I graduated dental school, I went on a one week bike trip, solo bike trip. And I biked all around and um, it was really, I say, take some time, even if it's alone time and really just celebrate because I think in life there's always like the what's next. And the fact that you made it through and graduated is such it, it it's such an exponential feat of accomplishment that you were able to do that able to redefine yourself to be this person that can get through dental school and do it i think there needs to be a long protracted internal celebration i'm not talking celebration of getting drunk and popping bottles and shit like that i'm talking about a solo celebration. Oh, that's what i did actually yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean you can do that for a night or two but really really take Take a moment and, 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 and relish in the pride that you have for yourself. We never, we never allow ourselves to be proud, and I think that's important. Okay, that was, that was cool. I like that. Yeah, top that, Pete. Uh, hello. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so, so first day, I would, um, I would kind of agree with – I would acknowledge that for myself and say, look, this was hard to get into. Dental school is hard as shit to get into, right? Acknowledge the fact that you're here. 
acknowledge that it's going to be a hard journey. Acknowledge that you need to take a lot of deep breaths because it's going to be daunting and overwhelming. And I almost quit dental school two legit times. Okay. So there's wow, going to be times. I know that. Yeah, dude. I almost, wow. I mean, I was in the office quitting. No uh, way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we got we to gotta bring that up in the next podcast. So just know that like, don't quit deep breaths. There's going to be, it's going to be hard, but um, you know, preparation and stuff like that. So that would be my, my first day is, is hard. Cause you, you know, I don't really have any advice cause it's, you're going to be just bewildered by everything that's happening. Um, and it's, you know, I remember, I remember being an undergraduate and it being, being like, okay, I've got a class here and a class there and a class here and like a couple hours, the rest of the day is mine. Like dental school is an eight to five job, you know? Um, and then you have studying after that. So, and you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't gifted being the, you know, the guy who could just read something and be cool. Like I had to literally hustle, hustle my way through cause I barely got in the cl- the, the second phase would be the advice of the clinical. And I would say, um, that caused me a lot of anxiety, honestly, because I, I was very fearful of the start of clinical. And what I had to do was literally, was literally in, like I had to revert back to what I would do in athletics. And I would literally envision the entire game going on in my head. So I'd wake up and I'd say, all right, I'm going go to I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm going to drink this water. I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to see this. I'm going to score a touchdown. I'm going to do this. And I would literally play out the entire game in my head. And I had to do that because I was anxious about the sports stuff. And so I had to actually do the same thing clinically. I knew what to do. I just hadn't played the game yet. I hadn't done a rep yet. I hadn't, I hadn't taken a snap yet in the clinical setting. And so I would literally envision like, okay, I'm going to go to the counter. I'm going to check out this thing. I'm going to greet my patients. And I would literally go through it time and time again. And studies have shown that that is actually as effective as actually doing the practice. So do that until you get comfortable. And again, you're going to have setbacks in, in clinical and like, you're going to think like, God, I'm the worst dentist. I'm all thumbs and blah, blah, blah. I would think that I'd look at my classmates. I'm like, how are you doing so great in my head? You know? And so I was a lab come, tech in Germany for 10 years before. Yeah, I right, right. And I was like, God, I'm all thumb. Like what's going on? I hate myself, you know? And so you're just going to have those periods and, and, you know, just remember it's a journey, not, the, not a sprint. Um, and then the end of end of school, like Craig, I would say congrats. Uh, pat yourself on the back and maybe have a cocktail or two. Um, but congratulations, you know, the hard work's just beginning, unfortunately. And and that, that shouldn't be, it's a different kind of hard work. It's not someone, you know, pushing you and saying work hard. It's actually your own hard work and your own passion. But the hard work is now just beginning. Awesome. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and I uh, really appreciate what you all are doing. Best of luck in the near future and in the, uh, in the long future. And I can't wait to see what you all are going to be up to next. I can't wait to see what you all are going to be dropping down the pipeline uh, for, for everyone out there in the dental space. So I uh, hope to connect soon and, and uh, God bless. Right, hey, bro. Christian, thank, I want to say thank you for what you're doing as well, man. I appreciate that you're a leader. Like we can tell your leadership style and that you're consuming all this information on your own, Grant Cardone, and all this learning, and you're paying it forward. Um, you're on a great track, and uh, this has been a very uh, proud affiliation for us. So thank you for this time. And Pete and I. Appreciate it. Ditto, yeah. Appreciate it, Christian. And, uh, yeah, keep in touch, man. We, we want to we see your journey on the way because – 
I, you know, if I was a betting man, I would bet that there's going to be a lot of wins um, for you, you know, because like Craig alluded to, if you're already taking the steps, I mean, if someone said, hey, you need to do a podcast and be in dental school, I'd have been like, you need to go yourself, you know? <laughs> um, but so, you know, when you're, when you're going next, you're already going next level in your, in your dental, in your, in your career. So I will be excited to uh, watch your journey. So, and if you need help, or if you need advice along the way, you know, we've got the scars to prove it. So um, best of luck to you, my friend. Hey, many thanks, gentlemen. We'll talk soon. Okay. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. If you got any value or insight from today's episode, it massively helps us create awareness if you would take five seconds and leave us a review in iTunes. Also, stay in touch with our updates and such by just texting the word bulletproof, all one word, to 345-345. We promise not to bombard you with spam texts or anything, but it will help update you on special opportunities for our listeners, as well as even info on the upcoming Bulletproof Summit 2019. Again, that's the word bulletproof to 345-345. Thanks so much, y'all. Have a great day.